Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Caraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, DJ Mark. Sup. Also with me, Kid Presentable. Fellas. Finally, also joining us this week, Lavender Gooms. Hey, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, Davison Figueroa is not going to be here for a long time, but he's here for a good time because, Marcus, this man went out there. For a two minute, was it a two minute fight? Him and Alex Perez had just under, and he was just, you know, you're like, oh, Alex Perez might do something here, and Davison Figueroa's like, fuck that, um, snatched him in that guillotine choke, put him away. I mean, how much analysis you want to give about a two minute fight? But I've just come to the conclusion that for a flyweight, I mean, I already knew he had entertaining fights, but Fli- Figueroa uh, is going to have a, be an entertaining champion for as long as this goes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for like we talked about before for a division that had a really dominant champion in mighty mouse for a long time but didn't necessarily always get finishes and didn't always have you know the most exciting competitive fights uh figueroa is definitely you know a step in the right direction um and he knew that the show was running long so he wrapped it up real fast um i do think there's some interesting takeaways here I, i was impressed with alex perez he definitely seemed to be game in the stand up and was right there uh with uh davison uh and i thought it was interesting davison came out softball because he saw alex just tear up uh, formiga's legs in his last fight so he tried to make that tough he was they were both slinging shins at each other and uh basically perez caught caught a kick tried to use a single leg to to get him down figure out bobby do you remember like he spun into this weird like uh almost uh achilles hook uh, yeah, that hook. was wild. That was basically what Rio Chonin beat Anderson Silva with back in Pride. Uh, he didn't finish it there, but that was basically Alex Perez fought out of it. And they were into a grappling exchange where Figueroa gave his back um, and basically turned into guard and got a guillotine in really fast and finished the fight, um, which was, it, I mean, it's awesome. This dude's getting it done so fast and in uh, you know such spectacular order. But it was also like, man, I wish these guys, we would have had maybe two rounds of them just like, stand up just beating each other up because yeah. that was really fun but well do you know what was also cool marcus was the fact that he got the guillotine with like his arm was like on the crown of the head yeah it, i mean yeah the booth was that is like a, joe was like oh yeah. this is serious shit and i was like it didn't i i saw the fight after knowing the results i was like well i know it ends soon but like it didn't seem that deep until perez tried to actually like stand up from the guard and it was like still on then it was like okay he's in there pretty deep and yeah that, but and it was like it was so high up yeah and I, I, was, I mean luke thomas a big jujitsu guy big fan he was talking about all the different guys who've done it that way and i'm just like and i mean honestly i was on guillotine watch after uh we'll talk about it but thursday night um antonio mckee or aj mckee Correct. you know mm-hmm. antonio jr i think is actually what he is uh blew my goddamn mind with that um guillotine choke mike and i were actually talking it was like, like a neck while crank. It was happening. It was like a half, yeah. half Nelson neck crank with yeah. the armpit. It was weird. weird, and people are calling it uh, the McKeotine. There you go, the sure. McKee lock. McKee, McKeotine sounds better than McKee lock. Um, though, you know, because, you know, there's no key it, lock in there at all. But, but it's also <laughs> not a guillotine at all. Like, I know, but at least, crank, you know, we're going for the right, neck. <laughs> so I was really already a guillotine watch. And then, honestly, when he was going for the leg lock thing, I was just... Honestly, with every time there's a wild leg lock, I kind of have the... I don't know why this happens, but... 
years ago, Mark and I were watching this video of Eddie Bravo showing off his leg locks. And then, like, all of a sudden, Eddie Bravo has all these weird names for his leg locks. And one of them is, like, a vaporizer, I think he calls it. And sure. I keep waiting for somebody to land a fucking vaporizer <laughs> in a fight. And for Joe Rogan to lose his mind. I'm like, come on. Somebody <laughs> hit a vapor. If you don't mind my tangenting for a minute, it was Bellator this week, right? That's where. Panther, that on, yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned McKee. Was someone on this card named Joey Davis? Uh, I'll take a look. But um, Because I don't know if he just fought or if I was just. So if you know me, you know in sports what I like is a good prospect, right? Mm-hmm. I like a guy who has proven absolutely nothing but has a heap load of expectations on him so I can just get on board and be right if I get it right and just uh, totally abandon him if I get it wrong. Um, I just want to give a shout out to the Belter. You mentioned Antonio McKee Jr. Stefan, hold but... on one second. Hold on one second. I want to make sure we're recording because Stefan's about to give some praise to Bellator, and we got to make sure this is all, all the tapes are ready to go. So they awesome. actually watch this because you and Mike. <laughs> I don't give praise to Bellator anymore. I don't give praise to MMA anymore. All I talk about is how I don't care. I'm about to tell you guys about something I do care about. Oh, no. Does Stefan freeze? After I don't know. No, you said you said. You can't tell if you're oh, no, joking no, no, no. or you oh, actually sorry, need to check no, no. some shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, Joey Davis defeated uh, Matt TV former cast member Bobby Lee. So yes. <laughs> so Joey Davis apparently he's from Compton, California, had Division One football offers, but decided to wrestle for Notre Dame College uh, Division Two wrestling program under Antonio McKee Senior as a head coach. Dude apparently goes 124 and 0 and is an undefeated four-time uh, Division II national champion. He's 8 and 0 in MMA, um, and he just overhand right uncorked the shit out of the guy he uh, fought. I don't know anything about this guy besides everything I just said, and I am in. <laughs> I am sold. Undefeated American wrestler from Compton, California. Well, let me tell you, man. Wrestling over football, like anybody. And then- yeah, anybody like, this is the guy who will stop Jamaev. I don't know his weight class. He might not be a 170. I'm just saying, if if Dagestan's got their new unstoppable wrestling monster, this is the Captain America wrestling monster <laughs> that we need to get from Bellator. Joey Davis. Davis? Davies? I, I, I gotta like, learn. That. It looks like Davis. Um, um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's with the right guy, though. I mean, anybody ever saw Antonio, Antonio McKee fight? It wasn't entertaining necessarily, but goddamn, any Tony McKee would wrestle the fuck out of you. Well, oh, but this guy's got it. He's learning the setups of how to bait the shot and set up the overhand. Well, that's like a- classic power wrestle boxer, but the highlight looked really good. Still up and coming. Like I said, he's been undefeated at wrestling. He's undefeated in MMA. I like undefeated. As soon as he gets that one, I'm totally off of him. He's <laughs> trash. He, he was always a bum. But while he's got that O next to his name, he is the golden child. I mean, he's, do apparently, we have- uh, he's apparently a. a- super athlete if you had a d1 uh football scholarship but then what i think is interesting is that he went to a d2 college in notre dame did he not know they weren't good for wrestling they're just good for football <laughs> he, he watched, Sounds he like watched he Ru- rudy and he was like wait though, right? <laughs> no, he's like weird. well if this wrestling doesn't work out football is right around the corner <laughs> i can always jump ship i mean i feel if we're going to talk about bellator real quickly i would like to also mention that benson henderson got beat 3-0 that's not by a great. gentleman named Jason, named by a guy named Jason Jackson, and while I didn't feel that watch the fight, winning decisions over Benson Henderson is not easy, let alone winning all three rounds. 
Well, let me and tell you how you make it easier, point, Bob. You is fight. it not easy at this point, Bobby? No, but this, this is the track I make it easy. You take a short notice fight and you fight at 170 because I watched the highlights and this dude towered over Benson. I was like, that was a bad move, Benson. That was a bad Benson call. hasn't lost a decision in three years. He, he was actually winning fights until his last loss to Chandler. Um, but Jason, his nickname is the ass-kicking machine. There you go. That's it. That is that is the most, you know, you know yeah, generic yeah, that's uh, that's that's it. Um, back to the UFC, but I mean, props to Bellator. Um, I'm gonna follow that momentum up by not having a show this week because, well, it's Thanksgiving. Um, Figueroa got a win. You got to fell for Perez because it looked like he was down. You know, for this to be a good fight and go a little longer. Um, Figueroa is gonna fight in uh, four weeks. He's gonna defend that title again. That sounds Taking insane on, until you look at that card, which is like even for pay per views. Like, there's some half decent fights, but there's no titles, so they're like, well, they lost the other title fight. Who was the other one? Who's supposed to be? So we, for a brief moment between Saturday night and Sunday morning, there was supposed to be two title fights. The second one being Moreno and um, Figueroa. The initial one being um, Aljamain Sterling getting his That's rightful right, title shot Peter. against Peter Yan, and Peter had to pull out. Um, not clear why. At least last time I checked. Um, so they needed a title fight. I'm not sure if this was the one that we needed a guy to fight on one month's notice. Um, but I don't know. I, I mean, I didn't see Brandon Moreno fight either because it was on the prelims and I missed it. It was because... a one round finish though. So I didn't yeah, see it. Hopefully it didn't take too much damage. I mean, Steph, we've all seen Brandon Moreno fight a bunch, you know, um, he's a s scrappy fighter. I still think he's very young, at least the way he looks. Seems I mean, it's a little wild, you know, the potential fit right there. In. But it's yeah. gonna be a wild fight, probably. I mean, look, I'm I'm all for this Figueroa title reign because we've had uh, three title fights. Well, the first one he missed weight, but three title fights. There've been three finishes. Not one of them been boring. Um, and people complain about the little dudes not finishing fights. Here you go. Yep. I mean, he doesn't speak English. He he has all of his interviews with a sun with sunglasses on, no shirt, and Walid Ishmael translating for him, which is fun for people like me and Mark. You know, and those of us who are old MMA fans, but I'm not sure how much it's doing for the general public. I imagine they think, like, who is this crazy, crazy man next to him spouting nonsense all the time? But yeah, it's like, it's like, is he translating? The other guy didn't say anything. I, I, <laughs> I haven't seen it? Valid do an interview in a while. I have to imagine he's more coherent, coherent than he was in Pride, where he's just, Hi, and Gracie, he's a chicken. I beat that man. <laughs> they know I beat that man. I mean, if that's still what he's working with, God Mike, bless him, but I think Mike, he's more nuanced. Ever... Have we ever introduced you to Walid Ishmael before? Has that ever come up before with our conversation? That name, that name has never come up before, so oh, I have yeah, I mean, no idea what you guys are talking about. Walid Ishmael is a man who decided he's going to fuck up the Gracie family. Um, and he beat Hoist Gracie. He choked one him unconscious on one. in a jiu -jitsu. He choked him unconscious in front of thousands of people, and they aired it on TV for millions of Brazilians to see. Walid is kind of like the enemy. <laughs> For the crazy family. He has the most crazy fuck eyes you've ever seen. His eyes yeah, just bulge looks... out of his head as he's talking about the Gracies. Yeah. They mean nothing to me. They yeah, they nothing. Got... I beat all of them. It's just you like, got... right, Valid, we get it. It used to be fun to just look up transcriptions of Walid's <laughs> post-fight interviews because they would just go. It was almost like following like an Ultimate Warrior promo. You know, with less, you know, with less fantastical elements, but you're like, I'm I've lost the plot here. We're three lines in and I've lost the plot. Um Anyway, Figueredo champion. We'll see how long this goes. Trying to make flyweight interesting. We got two guys that don't speak English, so the UFC definitely knows how to promote that. So a lot of loud noises and Joe Rogan saying, oh, in the commercials, coming to TV near you. 
Um, Valentina Shevchenko, Jennifer Maya. Uh, Steph, Jennifer Maya's tough. She won a round. I That's mean, you want me to give her credit, but I wanted to stick to my no chance in no, hell I mean, thing I had I going. She, I mean, she put up, she won a, she won a round, and, and Mark was talking about, and I were talking about it before we left for work. Mark's like, yeah, she got on top because Valentina messed up a takedown, and then she didn't do anything with it, really, on top, I don't think. If I'm trying to remember that second round she, of she, she did some ground and pound. She was putting work in. She won that round. Hit. Oh, she won the round for sure. Valentina no, I didn't won the first round on top. She didn't do shit. Like that was yeah. pretty much nothing. Jennifer got on top. She put some work in. Did anybody think yeah, Jennifer? She did. I, I mean, you know, you mean to give her credit, and she. I think she was tougher than people expected. But um, part of that is also uh, not to take any shine away. But I think Mark. I know Mark has definitely said this too. Valentina, for all her overmatch starches the inferior opponent, she's cruised to a lot of decisions as well. She's yeah. kind of just, and you know, it wasn't quite that, but the I would say the final two, if not three rounds, at least were by that point. Like kind of Maya, she had her best round, right? It was one more round than anyone I think really gave her. If you're looking at that betting line, so you have to give her credit for that. But then it was kind of once Valentina found her groove, she kind of settled into just. She remi it reminded me of a Mighty Mouse fight where I was just like, you're taking the takedowns here because logistically it makes sense because she's not stopping them and you aren't going to get to, you know, you're going to get them and she's not going to get you off of her, but you could probably put her away. Like, she was fucking up her face. And it reminded me of a Mighty Mouse fight where I'm like, Mighty Mouse, you didn't need to do that. You probably could have ended this. She was, point. and I think, um, was she, I, I didn't quite catch what it was, but she was talking about, like, she had some surgery or something. Like, Yeah, well, that, remember, we were going to get, we were going to get JoJo versus her. And then she got hurt, and they said, "Jojo, just wait for a couple months." You know, Valentina's got some MCL shit going on, and Jojo's like, "No, I want to, I want to fight." Yeah. So they had Jojo fight, you know, Jennifer Maya, and it went horribly. And that's how Jennifer Maya got the title shot. I thought she was hurt. That's what I was going to say. By the way, when you brought that up, I didn't buy that she was one hundred percent. Maybe she didn't trust her knee entirely. She, I mean, because I don't know why she was trying to get on the ground. I mean, she really didn't seem like she. Like I thought she had a clear advantage standing. Mike, what I, did you think? I, Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I was muted. Um, no, no, she she did. Um, this wasn't the uh, the most dominant of uh, of Valentina fights. Um, this leads some credence to the fact that maybe she still wasn't a hundred percent. But I don't think that she was injured. I just think you know sometimes you have bad nights. Um, as they like to tell us a lot on the uh, on, on the telecast, you know, some days when you're in the gym, you feel like a world beater, and some days you don't, and that's just, that's the same with when you step into the octagon. She had high it, high expectations too, right, man? Because like, I mean, we're talking about how she had a half night. She won four rounds easily. Like, well, the thing is, is that an off night for for Valentina is so different now. I mean, she was a negative two thousand favorite. I mean, she was a, a you got I it. was a negative 2,000. How, how does it go? You had it right. You, you, okay. you had it right at first. Shit. Uh, she, she was a negative 2,000 favorite in, in this fight. So anything outside. I mean, people, I mean, we have any listeners not in the United States. Minus 2,000. Another way, I mean, she was a 20 to 1 favorite. You know, that's basically it. Anyway, um, Mark, you wanted to say something before we moved on? I was just going to say, you know, I being critical of Valentina a lot, I thought rounds three through five, like she threw some heat 
And that's something I was critical of. I think she, and I think something that you can say is like, I don't think she had a clear strategy to, because I think if you're looking at her skill set and how dominant she was in the standup, that's the game plan. I think she's one of those fighters that is just situational. And when she can win situations, she wins them. And that's why they kept getting clinches and she kept taking her down. She's like, well, this girl's not clinching with me, right? I'm going to take her down. And she did repeatedly. And then when she was on top, she couldn't really do that much against her. I think it, you know, if she, a really good strategy for her would have been to implement stand-up a lot more. And even though I think she won all those exchanges, Jennifer was game. She did throw back and she did land. But I think Valentino output was a lot better. I think the shots were a lot cleaner. And I think she threw some heaters in there too. There was a couple overhand lefts. Yeah. I was like, okay, she's she's trying. You know, I mean, she's not I mean, getting she knocked, her out of she, there. She busted her up too. Like she was bleeding pretty heavily at the end there. Yeah, so she, I wasn't right? super critical of her performance as I have been in past ones because I do think, yeah, like, like Stefan said, I think she sometimes is so ahead of the game, she can kind of skate to a decision. But what I saw in this fight was like, she was attempting to put her away. And, and that attempt goes a, a far way with me. You know, I, she couldn't get it done, uh, you know, finishing Jennifer, but the attempt was there. She, she was trying to to hurt her. And I appreciate that. Um, it, One thing that pissed me off is that when she got on her back in the second round, they're like, oh, we've never seen her down here. And I'm like, she tapped out Jessica Payne, whatever, uh, what's her name, Pena, off her back. Like, she armbarred her off her back. We, we all mm. saw it. That, that's how she got her one of her, her second title shot against Nunez. But okay, she's capable off her back. The whole thing about her is just she's very well-rounded. That's, you know, one well, of the reasons was, she's great. That, that was one area where Jennifer definitely seemed stronger. She oh, was she had a better yeah. top game than Valentina had bottom. And that's kind of what made this fight kind of interesting. There was a moment of compelling, oh, shit, she might be able to, I guess, win the biggest um, underdog story. But that quickly evaporated in round three and four and ultimately in well, yeah. five. But, but um, just for gonna... this game. We're going to talk about Chukasian. We're going to talk right now about what uh, about Chukasian and Calvillo because that was, I think, the presumption was that Calvillo. I mean, if Calvillo had won that fight, she was going to get a title shot. Um, when I was watching it, Steph, I remember I was messaging you. I'm just like, yeah, this is just Calvillo fighting like Calvillo, not really showing any improvement. I mean, it wasn't like she got like smoked, you know, because Chukasian doesn't smoke anybody anyway. But I'm like, Calvillo's losing all these rounds, pretty much. Like, I don't, I'm not impressed with anything i'm seeing here like this is she I mean, was, she's not ready she's not ready it's, simple as that <laughs> it's neither unimpressive or disappointing or anything it's just it's what she always is she's on the wrong side of it this time you know she's yeah. come out with scrappy decisions over not like inferior competition i would say mm -hmm. but like not world beaters either um she just she's not uh, Hall Pendred bad, right? That guy is my kind of barometer for, you get in the cage and I don't know what you want to do. Like, are you a grappler? Or are you a striker? What do you foresee is going to be your avenue? Like, I get it with Cynthia. She's not that great at it though, right? She can get the clinch. She can't always get the takedown. When she can get the takedown, she can't necessarily advance to any better positions. Uh, she doesn't if really... She if she fights somebody over if she's fighting somebody who's, I'll give her this. If she's fighting somebody not like on her level, she's gonna finish the fight. That we've seen. Like she'll finish the fight against somebody not on her level. But in, when she gets in there with another top ten opponent, she pretty much shows she's maybe six through ten. And then yeah, and then you know I've not been the most glowing on Shukajian. I kind of told you I feel like I've only seen her losses. You yeah. know she's got a number two by her name, but I feel like any time I actually paid attention to her fight, she lost. So it's hard to have like a great thing, but the one thing I immediately noticed, man, was Cynthia small compared oh, yeah. to Chukagian, She was small, and that's what we saw was Chukagian used that jab really well. She used that length really well, 
and that was the thing. So Cynthia, you know, she's got this scrappy style, but you saw how rudimentary her striking is, her striking defense, and it's like, okay, a long jab absolutely neutralizes you now. Yeah, I mean, she and, should be at 115, right? We kind of saw that. I think that's what I, I want to see when she moved up to 125, it was because she missed weight a couple of times, but I'm like, She's not as big as these other girls at 125. It's not a. It does not look like if 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 Caitlyn is number two, this doesn't look like the weight class for her. Caitlyn's out there just beating back contenders. By the way, no one's gonna get a title shot if they make them fight Caitlyn. Caitlyn's like, nah, I can't beat Valentina, but none of y'all can beat me. She's beating up the Shevchenko's sister. She's beating up Cynthia Calvillo. You got to keep contenders away from her. Um, Mike Perry, Tim Means. I mean, it was a fun fight. Um, Mike Perry coming out, Mike, to uh, the wrong song and singing Halo. I, think he made the right song. I mean, that was the right song for all of us, and he made it the right song. Um, and you know, he sang along to it, and it was objectively very funny. Um, it made you wish that he wasn't such a piece of shit in other parts of his life, where he'd be like, oh, I can get on board with this knucklehead if he was just some knucklehead, but. And on I mean, top of that, it also makes you wish that it seems he took his career more seriously. Well, he showed up four and a half pounds over five, so one seventy five point five, four and a half pounds over the well, with the one with the one pound allowance. So four and a half pounds over after you know putting on social media, you know him eating burgers and you know fries and shit, you know maybe ten to twelve days before the weigh-in. So yeah, I mean Tim Means went out there. Tim Means, the I thought Tim Means. Uh, Tim Means is a professional, man. Simple as that. Tim Means is going to show up in shape. Tim Means is going to give you his, you know, kickboxing arsenal. That's the way Tim Means fights. When it was over, Tim Means named like six kids, seven kids. I lost track of how many members of the family he was talking about. And I'm like, I hope Tim Means makes more money than I think he does. Because it sounds like he had a lot of kids. But, I mean, I don't know what to say about this fight. He's showed up six pounds, five, like five pounds over, Steph. Like, what a... Uh, okay. We all move on, I guess. <laughs> Doesn't have a real camp. Doesn't take the fight seriously. Doesn't miss. This dude's getting a lot of chances, right? For he, I mean, he, he won his last fight. He's not going to lose his job. Clearly, he's just going to be an action fighter between eleven and fifteen. I guess, right? He's in Dana's good graces for a million reasons. He shouldn't be, but he is. So that's where he exists, right? He's a he's a good high level gatekeeper because you have to have a real skill set to beat him, right? His pure raw power and general athleticism and being as skilled as he is for not really having any real coaching for not having any real training. He's not just like a wild reckless fighter, right? Like he has a semblance of striking. He has a semblance of a ground game. Like you can tell he knows how to attack positions and he understands submissions. So like there might be some genuine like fighting genius within him. But like you said, he's, he's the fucking king of the knuckleheads. So I really it's like there's yeah, a lot I'm, of waste of potential in this guy. I remember watching the fight thinking like if he showed up in shape, he should win this fight. Like, that, he, if he showed up in shape, he should have won that fight. If he um, had a if he had a coach that maybe gave him a modicum of a game plan as well, maybe he would have won that fight. Well, I thought I thought the random corner person he brought saying take him down. I was like, I agree with that. I agree with that guy. Take down Tim Means because standing is not going well. A couple of things you got to question in this fight. Some of them aren't even. I mean, none of them are really fight related. Uh, one of them is he lost thirty percent of his purse for being over. Yeah, and Simmons got twenty seven thousand dollars. Do you realize how much that means? Mike Perry's getting paid. God damn! I thought he said he got a little less than twenty. He got twenty seven for fifteen thousand dollars. Tim, when they asked him means about Mike Perry missing weight, he said, "Well, 
Mike Perry gave me $27,500. So, I mean, whatever he wants to do. Okay. I, I, yeah. I, 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 I'm questioning the whole math right there anyway for him. But okay. and, on, and on top of that, I'm not here to question, you know, other people's relationships. I guess love is love. But you got to question a lady who lets a man like Mike Perry impregnate them. Burn. <laughs> Burn. Burn on Mike Perry's girlfriend. Mark. Paul Craig, Shogun. Uh, I mean, your thoughts, but I just want to say I came out of that thinking, man, Shogun looks old, and man, Paul Craig is slower at striking than Shogun, but you know, he won, so... Yeah, well, <laughs> we blew do? that call all going for Shogun unexplicably uh, for reasons that none of us encouraged the other one, but um, yeah, I mean, in this fight, it really just seemed like the athleticism of Paul Craig was way too much for Shogun, you know, anytime he shot on the legs, he got doubles, he was able to wrap those legs up and take them down, and I mean... We've known this forever. Shogun's really good on the bottom. He was able to fight those positions. He was able to, from uh, half guard, get back up to his feet. But I think that just, I think the age is wearing on him and he just can't keep up with a guy like Paul Craig who, in these grappling exchanges, can just go and go and go and go. Um, so I think that really wore him down in the first round. Um, and, and like you said, it wasn't all, you know, bells and whistles for Paul Craig, even though he had a pretty good performance. There was a couple exchanges where he got caught and there was one against the cage that was very alarming for his, you know, future prospect fights is, you know, when, when Shogun rushed him, his defense up against the cage was to stand straight up with his chin up. And I was like, dude, you're going to get struved out there. You're going to get knocked <laughs> the fuck out if you do that. And, you know, Shogun wasn't able to capitalize. Um, and Paul Craig was able to, again, you know, just work a ground game. And and I do really like Paul Craig. I kind of like his style. And there's not a lot of UFC fighters that I like just the way they fight. Like, I just like watching this guy fight. He gets on the ground and he's just fucking doing shit, man. He's not sitting there waiting around like shit's going on. And I think a lot of times when we watch a lot of fights, you know, sometimes when it goes to the ground, the pace can dramatically slow down. There's not nearly as much advancing or what is happening is very nuanced and subtle. There's no subtlety with this fucker. He's going for triangles, bitch. He's grabbing arms and grabbing heads, and he's he's doing shit. So I, I really I appreciated this fight. I thought it was entertaining, but you definitely just saw like Shogun can't compete with these young guns. And how long ago did he fight Paul Gregg? Like two years ago. And maybe there's an injury. Maybe there's something else going on. Besides, oh, yeah. did you see his elbow? I, I heard that he he injured his elbow. I don't know if that was. Well, he had a big old uh, what's it called? The big sack. Like the big like bursitis, I think it's oh, called or something. Yeah, I, I didn't. I, I had, heard like, about it. I didn't, yeah, I didn't really see it. And, and look, maybe that's somewhat what's going on. But Dana White, man, saying, he's old. Yeah, he, he's just. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not even that. Like he's like one for fighting. He is old. The age barrier has gotten just fucking ridiculous in the UFC, where you're 46 and you're still fighting, and that's okay. Like it used to be, like you get up in your mid 30s, like that's kind of a wrap, dog. Like we're done. Like you know, all the nogs in the world are kind of just breaking. You know, stereotypes and Anderson fighting well past his 40s is, is not a normal thing. Um, but I think, you know, I, I kind of hate it when Dana just says, like, well, he should retire. And it's like, no, if you don't want him fighting in the UFC, let him loose and let him do whatever he wants. Like, don't just make all these guys, like, retire so you don't have to pay out their contracts or release them so they can go get work somewhere else. Um, but I think that's kind of, you know, unless they're going to place him with other fighters in that range that he's in which i don't think there's a lot i think the only other guy that kind of checks that box is glover and glover's been kind of killing it so i also don't want to see that um he just can't be competitive I, I, this is an honest question um did they ever run back him and quentin in, Bel- in ufc don't did they- think so i don't think so i'm just saying and because i was his name said quentin isn't under contract anymore 
Um, Coker said it. I mean, look, I, I, don't, book it. I don't want him to fight Quinn. <laughs> you I see that Beto want... fight? That dude did not try it all. He's like, heavyweight? That Whoa. means I don't have to do what, fucking what, shit. When, when, when Quinton knocked out Vanderlei when we were there, I'm like, we should call today, Quentin, right here. It's not going to get better than this oh, yeah. right now. That was a highlight. That's, <laughs> that should have been where he stopped. You're two and two now. You're two and two with Vanderlei, all right? <laughs> There's been four people unconscious in four fights. <laughs> um, Stefan, do you want to say anything about Buckley? Good hands, too. Yeah, kid's got something, huh? There might be some uh, something more here. Um, you kind of reached out earlier. I think you were you were watching it live. I think you were saying uh, maybe the hype got to him. I missed the first round, honestly. From the moment I caught it, was all action. But uh, he immediately spoke to it. He said he admitted the hype got to him. Uh, a lot of people suddenly had eyes on him, expecting big things, feeling that pressure to need to knock someone out. But um, for all he felt it, that gave him a slow round. He figured it out in the second. Well, I wasn't even saying that it was like he was going. He was slow. I just thought we were, everybody was like, "That's a lot of pressure." That's all I was saying. Like, you you get that in a knockout like that. The expectation is you're going to do some wild shit every time afterwards, you know. And he got a knockout though. Props to the kid. Um, we'll see. We'll see what else comes from him. Um, Antonia Shevchenko, Ariana Lipsky. Antonia beat the crap out of her. Like, straight up. Antonia, I thought Valentina was the older sister, by the way, this whole time. Like, this whole time. I thought Valentina was the older one. And uh, Stefan pointed out when Valentina was doing her post-fight interview, she was trying to get her sister a performance bonus. And I'm like, that's that's a good sibling. That, that warmed my heart. Um, UFC 255, the actual performances of the night. Joaquin Buckley and Antonia Shevchenko. So, shout out to Valentina. It worked. Pushing for that. <laughs> worked. Um, Figueroa was pretty pissed he didn't get one. The fight of the night was the first night on the was the first fight on the entire card. So, well, I didn't well, watch that. Didn't see it. Sasha Pal Palatnikov versus Luis Koske. They both probably could use the fifty grand. So, congratulations to those folks. That was big night for them. Um, Alan Joban, old man Alan Joban, because he's exactly the same age as Shogun. They had the same birthday. He got a win too. Um, Nicholas Dobby with a nice win. Um, so we'll see. The UFC is back next week. Um, week of, two days after Thanksgiving, they're making Derek Lewis fight. Derek Lewis, Curtis Blades. Uh, we'll talk about that shortly here. It's kind of a thin card. Um, a lot of fights where there's like one person you might recognize, but you know, all these guys can pay off the money they spent on the day before on Black Friday. You know, well, picking up a check from Dana White and the UFC. Um, I think that was. Uh, <coughs> pardon me. Um, that's it for UFC 255. Um, any news this week besides the fact that a fight that they basically announced, they announced like again because Connor signed it's the It's official, baby. Yeah, I kind of thought it was already. Anyway. Official, um, official. Well, when he said he's going to fight, he says he's going he's gonna to fight. Like when he gets this far down the line. But now Dana so, said he's going to fight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Poirier McGregor, a fight that was, I mean, I'm not really, I mean, it seems like, like we saw it happen already. Poirier has gotten much better. I think Connor's gotten better too, obviously, but not as much as Poirier because Poirier, I think, is making big leaps in his game. But January, right, or February? When is that happening? I January. Was, I thought it was January. January. Yeah. January. We're going to see Connor versus Dustin Poirier, not for the lightweight title, because Dana White says Habib is going to fight again, and everybody else is like Habib is doesn't not going to fight again. Doesn't Habib keep saying he's not going to fight again? Yeah, Daniel Cormier is like, yeah. Uh, from what I can tell, Habib's not going to fight again either. So and honestly, if he does, it's not to fight Connor again. Like it's ESPN Kip. I kept getting push notifications from ESPN. Like is the much anticipated Connor Khabib like 
uh, match coming, and I'm like, no one fucking wants that. Like, well, here's no, here's the thing: Who's people wanting that match. No, no one who's like okay, MMA fans aren't anticipating that. That's ESPN yeah. clickbait yeah. bullshit. Well, here's the thing: like the other stuff surrounding the fight, people live for that shit. And like the stuff that made me hate it, and all of us probably hate it. That's like it's all about who talks shit, man. It's 2020. Who A wants to be able to have an opinion on the matter? It's all about who's throwing hand carts into what buses this week. You know, that's all the people care about. Yeah, I mean, um, that, that honestly, the fight brought the worst out of everybody. I thought. I'm like, I don't. I like. I came out of this liking nobody. The so other fight that got who, booked. Oh, good. The other fight that got booked: Tony Ferguson, Charles Oliveira. That is a goddamn crackerjack, Steph, right there. No uh, Bronx and Tony Ferguson. Finish guaranteed, I think, uh, in that fight. Um, I was going to say a fight that I like that uh, got booked on significantly lower stakes. No, no name value this high, but um, you know, my personal favorite, Alexa Grasso, is going to be taking on Macy Barber. And, oh, yeah. The, Macy uh, coming back from the injury. We're going to see what she's coming got. Coming back man. for her thing. Um, these two are going to th- trade punches with each other. Um, they, this should be a fun women's fight. If there was no ACL injury... I got Macy. As I, I know, and what's her name? Uh, Grasso's looked good recently too. Looked better. She still hasn't yeah. quite been able to get that finishing sequence to really put her over the top that her uh, teammate did, um, Aldana. Yeah, but she <laughs> did look more assertive and just stronger across the board in her uh, what debut at one twenty five? I think it is. What what, what is this weight called? I flyweight. Flyweight. Um, Macy was killing people. Before she blew her knee out in the beginning of that Roxy fight, and then it just didn't I mean, go well. I think you mean before Roxy just destroyed. Look, her we, we all love Roxy. What's Roxy? We know what happened in that fight. Why didn't Roxy get a title shot off of that? What happened there? Um, uh, she made a comment. She's like, "They said I didn't want to fight, and I don't remember being offered a fight." <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm inclined to believe Roxy. If Roxy played Among Us with us, I would never think she was the imposter. She's too yeah, sweet to be the sure. imposter. She would probably be like, I'm sorry, guys. I'm the imposter. I hate lying. I can't do this. <laughs> when I uh, was in Kansas City, uh, I saw Roxanne Modafferi in a hotel, and our friend Sal was with me, and I asked Sal to take the picture, and I could tell Sal's like, who the f- what? Who's this? What? <laughs> and then she left. Sal's like, okay, who was that? I'm like, she's just like the nicest female fighter. And Sal's like, nice, huh? <laughs> That's 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 what we're looking at. Nice, and I'm like, she, you see how nice she was. Sounds like okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, the return. Are we gonna, we're gonna get the return of the young prospects from knee injuries, right? We lost Aspen, lost Aspen Lad too, didn't we? Or am I mistaken? Or did that already happen? I think she got Aspen Ladd. That happened about a year ago. She's uh, still recovering from. Yeah, that. Aspen Lad tore her ACL and MCL back in June. Is that back in June? Fuck. Well, it was for a June fight. Long ago. She pulled out of a June fight. So, um, anyway, um, I'm not sure what other news we got, um, but uh, that Dustin and uh, that Tony and Barboza fight, Marcus, is on the card with Figueroa, and uh, I saw. And yeah, that card actually—that's what I'm saying. Like, it. it's weird that card when I when we look it up on Google and Wikipedia, they're like, "Fuck if I know." But here's like 12 fights we think. Might yeah, happen. I, I don't know if all these are happening. So this is this is some of the fights. I'll talk about the relevant ones. We got the main event, Figueroa Moreno. We got uh, Cyril Gane versus Gain Gane versus Junior Dos Santos. Go to bed. Um, Jacare Souza versus Marvin Vittori. Mackenzie Dern versus somebody. I'm sorry, I don't know her name. John John Deroba. Tisha Torres, Angela Hill. Love that fight. Mm-hmm. Um, Cub Swanson still fighting Daniel Pineda. Uh, Andrea KGB Lee's fighting Gillian Roberts. 
Ferguson Oliveira, Hanato Moicano, which is somehow also listed for this fight that we're watching, that we're picking this week. So I don't know. This is, they don't Honestly, know. The co- in the COVID era, they list about 20 fights, and we just see who shows up on fight night. You know, who's healthy. Seems about um, right. Yeah, let's pick some fights here, though. Um, UFC on fight UFC fight night, 752. I don't know what number it is. Uh, Derek Lewis versus Curtis Blades uh, at the Apex this Saturday. Um when everybody's on their, when everybody's at home, refreshing, trying to get a PlayStation Five, in the middle of that, you know, Derek Lewis is going to try to fight Curtis Blades. Betting odds for this one, Steph, do you have it in front of you by chance? I do. Um, Curtis is a very big favorite at minus three forty-five to plus two eighty-five. Derek, yes, yeah. um, Curtis Blades um, basically can't beat one person. That's what we've learned with him in the UFC. Um, he's got two career losses. Both of them are to Francis Ngannou, and the fights are getting less close. Um, Derek Lewis and Francis Ngannou, in addition to sharing one of the most boring fights I've ever seen in my life, especially probably the most boring I've ever seen in person. Um, also both hit hard. Beyond that, probably the comparisons aren't fair. They fight very different ways. Um, Blades is coming on a four-fight win streak. Um, Derek Lewis, on the other hand. Um, I know he's coming off of a win. How many wins is the question? Three fight win streak. Um, realistically, um, I'd say the winner of this is getting a title shot, but I thought Francis Ngannou is already the number one contender, and Stipe is waiting for John Jones, and I don't know. So they'll be up there, the winner of this fight. Um, I'll, I'm, I'm picking Curtis Blades. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna pick the order here. I got Curtis Blades. Uh, I enjoy watching Derek Lewis fight. Five rounds is a long time for Derek Lewis not to knock somebody out. But five rounds is a long time for Derek Lewis to be on his back and do that thing where he just feels like getting up, at, you know, at some point in a round. <laughs> um, this is going to be a real tired fight, I think, at the end. Because I think it's going to take a while, either way. But I got Curtis Blades. Steph, what about you? I'm about to get wild for no fucking reason. None of you going to have the plums on this. I'm thinking <coughs> Derek Lewis. You see him in his last fight, Bob? He looked in phenomenal shape. He did. That is fair. He looked very good. Dropped like 50 pounds in his late 30s. No one does that. I'm still in my early-ish, mid-30s. I'm not cutting weight these late days. It is hard to get motivated to do anything. So I have so much respect for Derek Lewis, just that he did it, right? We've all been saying the same thing over and over about him. He's a big guy who hits hard, kind of is what he is. And then here he is at, like, what, 37, 38, and he's like, no, I'm invested in this. I'm like trying to put in. So I have a lot of fucking respect for him for that. Um, he broke the record, by the way, Steph, for most UFC heavyweight knockouts in his last fight. He's got 11 knockouts. I mean, good for him. It's look. It's a. It is a steep road ahead. Um, the line is the line for a reason. But we have seen Curtis Blades can get knocked out. He can get that big power shot. And Derek Lewis, you can hold him down for four and a half rounds. He can still knock you out in that final 10 seconds. Like his KO ability never goes away, no matter how much you wrestle, like F the hell out of him, you know? Um, I hope you're right, honestly. It's, it's, it, it could just be a one sided obliteration. <clears throat> Derek Lewis never has a moment to get going. The fact that he loses all this weight is actually makes it easier for Blades to get his arms around that double leg, you know? Like it actually makes him easier to take down somehow. There's I less mean, so- dirt. To fight, if, but if he wins, Stefan, you know we got to get the rematch. Him and Ngannou. That's just oh, the way. Yeah. <laughs> I think they both would like to get that one back. Um, <laughs> which, 
Would Dana want to give it to him? Who knows? But no, Dana they, should give Engano a title shot and let John Jones fight. Derek yes, Lewis. yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying. You know, the both of them would like to run that back. Neither of them was satisfied with that. You know, Derek Lewis wasn't satisfied with the win, and Francis Ngannou knows that's the low light of his professional career. So, um, it's a long shot, but why the fuck not? What does it matter? Derek Mark. Lewis. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think stuff brought up some really good points i'm glad you reminded me you know how in shape Derek lewis was because um i think stylistically on paper curtis blades is a really bad matchup you know uh Derek lewis has struggled against wrestlers right um but the one thing that's always been his strongest weapon is his head he has the most strongest mind i think maybe in the game and that's like you said bobby he just he'll will himself up and it's not will there's skill involved but when you're fucking tired shrimping out and getting back up to your feet is the last fucking thing you want to do when you're exhausted dudes will just lay there and be like i'd rather just get punched in the face fuck it i'll survive the round and get another chance but like this dude just like he gets his head okay i'm shrimping fuck it we're getting up right now and he does it and that's why he can get a knockout in the last second because there's no giving up in this guy's mind and in a sport where you know mentally and you, know, you talk to any like professional fighter this game is 95 percent mental it's all about what you can will your body to do because look you can be in great shape and have the twitch twitch reflexes but when you're tired it's so hard to get your body to do what your fucking head tells you to do. And this guy does not have that problem. He can just fucking do it. He just wills himself to get up. He wills himself to get that big punch. Um, that being said, I'm still going to pick Curtis Blades. Um, I think it's a really smart decision in Derek Lewis's career to really focus on the physical aspects because that is something, you know, if he gets his gas tank in better shape, it makes that transition of of going to mind to body that much easier when the body's not that tired and it can just snap off the responses the mind can. But what I've seen in, in, in Curtis Blaze is that he's just a fucking animal when it comes to wrestling. He's a fucking animal when it comes to pushing the pace. And the only reason why you give Derek Lewis a better shot in this is because he made that adjustment in the last round. He's in better shape. He should be able to handle the pace a little bit better. But no one really does. I mean, no one can really handle Curtis Blades' pace when he's able to utilize it. Um, so I I'm picking Blades, but I would love to see a Derek Lewis win here. I would love to see a transformation that the story is basically like, look, at he he got to that title fight on pure fucking willpower alone. And once he got there and he came up short, he took a look at himself and like, what do I really need to do? Because I, I got close just working hard. What are the smart tactical things I can do in the training cap to better suit myself? And it looks like he's making those. So he's doing all the right things. And who knows? I mean, a couple of years ago, Derek Lewis having a title shot seemed infathomable. And now that he's gotten it and he's making these improvements, it's like maybe he could really be some. Maybe he could actually be. You know, he got one, right? So hey, I, I got blades, but I'm very excited. You know, he already got a title shot, though. He, that's what I'm saying. Like he got and when he got it, I was kind of like, I don't. He know. didn't want it either. Yeah, like it, it didn't seem <laughs> completely earned. I mean, he he earned it. You know, he wasn't he wasn't begging for it and got it off un, undesertly, like off a loss. He earned that shot. But I feel like when he got there and lost, that was kind of a wake up call. Like, not only can I make it to the peak of the mountain, I can fucking do this. I can have that belt. I need to make adjustments though. I can't keep doing the same shit I was doing before. The training camp has to change. The repertoire, the routine has to change. He's making those adjustments. So in my mind, he's doing all the right things. Is it going to be enough to overcome Curtis Blades? I think it's a f fantastic question. And if he comes out of this fight, stopping Blades' takedowns from the clinch, being able, maybe even being taken down and being worked over for a couple rounds and still has that willpower to, to succeed and land that big punch, I, I think it, it speaks volumes to his character and potentially what he can do in the sport. So high hopes for Derek. Still not betting for him. Still going to go with Curtis Blades.
Mike. I won't repeat everything you guys just said because I agree with pretty much all of it. When it comes to Derek Lewis, in addition to his newfound, you know, dedication to to nutrition, which he basically that's basically all he talked about in his post fight for his last fight. I think that bleeds over to the other areas of his training. Um, I think there is a synergistic relationship between if you're taking this much care and having this much discipline when it comes to your diet, that's going to bleed into, you know, your, your technique, your ability to learn, you know, your time in the gym. So I feel that in the next two, three fights, we're going to see with each fight a much different Derek Lewis increase leaps and bounds. With that said, I'm still gonna pick Here Curtis comes. Blades. <laughs> I'm still gonna pick Curtis Blades because while I think Lewis will make a lot of improvements, I think that Blades has the he has the skill set to possibly be champion in the next year or two. I mean, if John Jones like breaks a leg or something. Steph nailed it. We all think Derek could do it, but he's the only one with the cojones to put them on the line and be like, he will do it. We're all like, I'm hoping for this guy. But Stefan's like, it's going to happen. So you get the plum pick, my man. <laughs> Indeed. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, a bunch of fights on this card with maybe one person you recognize. Return of Rachel Ostovich, return of Ashley Evans-Smith. Um, we're going to pick one more fight. Anthony Smith versus Devin Clark. Betting odds for this one. Anthony Smith, slight favorite, minus 140 to Devin Clark's plus 120. Uh, Devin Clark, bit of a prospect, fighting out of the Jackson Wink camp. Um, coming off of a couple victories here over Daquan Townsend and Alonzo Mensfield. Uh, Mensfield being a bit of a prospect himself, too. Uh, Anthony Smith uh, didn't look so hot against Alexander Rakic, but it was better than how he looked against Glover Teixeira. Um, that being in the, said, I'm not in the business of picking Anthony Smith to win fights until, you know, ever since I watched him pick his teeth up off the mat, I'm going to need to see him win before I pick him to win another fight. So favorite or not, I'm taking, I'm taking the young guy. So I got, I got Clark, Mike, uh, you go ahead and lead off this time. Well, actually you kind of let off. Uh, well, yeah, but I mean, I don't want you make you make your argument for whatever, <laughs> you know, um, I'm not going to pick Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith had his run, you know, in the in the long lines of, uh, you know, I don't want to say middling because, you know, all of these guys in the UFC can kill me. But in the long line of uh, middle-of-the-road talent that goes on a long run um, and then their peak subsides very quickly, I am not going to stay on that bandwagon. So I'm going with Devin Clark. Mark. Yeah, it, it is kind of a tough one because, um, like you guys mentioned, a lot of the shine has wind, wind off of Anthony Smith um, after the Jones loss, and then the last two performances really left a lot to be desired. I'm going to still go with him. Um, I think Devin Clark, when I look over the resume, and that's really all I'm going off of. I know I've seen Devin Clark fight, but it's not sticking out. So it's really just looking at resumes and being like, you know, there's not a lot of like high names on this resume here. And also, one thing that's maybe kind of turning me one way or the other is like, you look at this guy's wins, man, especially in the UFC. We're going three rounds, dog. Like this dude does not finish bros in the UFC. So 
you know, it means he can go to the distance. It means he has good stamina. I'm still going to go with Anthony Smith. There's not a lot of strong inviction or things I've seen on tape where I'm like, oh, these are areas he's going to dominate. It's mostly just like I, Devin Clark has not gotten this big a name. This is what he needs this. I think this is a great fight for him to come out and get a big win over someone that has really kind of jumped onto the, the mainstream, uh, you know, uh, frame of view for a lot of people this is a huge name for him to get that win um just looking over these names man it's just like i mean he has some good ones here there's john, oh, john no, Blatt, to be clear, the champions in there i'm not that confident at all about my pick i just you know one guy picked his teeth up off the mat a, a, a couple months ago one guy didn't and i'm like i'm gonna wait that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a mental i understand it's a mental yeah. image that's hard to Glover apologizing for whooping his ass was another part of it and, where and I'm fair like, oh, and man. i think this is a hard fight to pick i like i said i'd have very little confidence in anthony smith you know i'm not betting the house on this one but i'm gonna go with him very slight and hopefully if devin clark wins i would like to see a finish because <laughs> all of his finishes came in they his, don't, like, te- they don't take fit they don't teach finishes at Jackson Wink. They teach wins. Well, you know, I Jackson wish they Wink. would. <laughs> That's it. Um, Stefan, why don't you finish it off here? Yeah, this uh, fight kind of makes me wish I had access to gambling because a double underdog parlay is Ooh. nice odds. Um, I'm going to go with Devin Clark. Um, I could see... I don't know anything about Devin Clark. Like, I could see Anthony Smith like just having a just better grappling game than this guy. And he gets one of those submissions because that fells a lot of supposed prospects. Is, is, rear, is rear naked choke the one you're thinking? Because that's the one yes. I'm thinking. If this yeah, goes out, he, yeah, okay. he ends up the back in a weird scramble. <laughs> yep. he, got, he got a little stunned by a jab, doesn't fight the position off well. And next thing you know, he's given up the rear naked. Um, I could very much foresee that happening. But um, that said, Anthony Smith might have been the origin of this whole laundry cycle analogy thing that I do as my <laughs> shtick now. Um, because. That's the man who I'm just like, he's got absolutely nothing left. The teeth thing was just it. The John Jones performance, like, let's go back in time. You know my bullshit cojones fix? I chose Anthony Smith over John fucking Jones because I wanted to believe in his rocky-ass journeyman climbs to the mountaintop, and then what did he do against John Jones? Not a goddamn thing. I was so forever spurned by him after that fight that... I, I'm like, okay, I got a shtick now, and it's all about it being laundry day. Um, and did this we, is the man. Steph, did we roast you at all for that pick? Probably. It's like, here's the thing. When I make crazy-ass picks, it's not like I don't give that whole preamble. Like, it's not like it comes out of nowhere. I know what I'm doing. I know when it's a bad sh- bad life decision. Um <laughs> I, I see. I'm saying I wish I had a bookie right now. I'm not honestly, saying I, I, honestly, the guy hasn't been right since he had to fight off the home invader in his house. That's what like, impressive person. Home invader whooped his ass. I guess seems <laughs> like he's a good dad. It's nothing personal. It's as a professional competitor in the light heavyweight division. I just don't have any faith in him anymore. Um, All prove right. me wrong, children. Prove me man. wrong. Like, are you about to tell him to go home and be a family man? So we got uh, Stefan. Mike's Mark's the only one picking Anthony Smith, and in the main event, Stefan's the only one picking Derek Lewis. I got that correct, right? No chalk this week, ladies and gentlemen. That's true. Yes. Um, all right, guys. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, we'll be back next Monday to talk about the results of this one. Um, Can I give some breaking news that I just read because it's cracking me up? Sure. Go ahead. Uh, Khabib. So Kareem Zidane is like one of the legit reporters in MMA. God bless like, him. Kareem is the like, best. We sh- <laughs> he 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 follows like the the things about the dictators. Like he's got people who want to harm him. Like that's the type of journalist. He moves he constantly. 
He's always um, so the fact that he's reporting this is really what makes the story for me. Um, but the nation of Dagestan has awarded Khabib Nurmagomedov with the medal for best of, of best mom. Oh, Habib well received the, the best mom medal, <laughs> and I'm like something is clearly lost in translation here. Like, but it, his, like, his, his he title says the, the title is best mom, but it's for honoring the promise he made to his mother about his retirement. Um, I believe he should be the best son. True, but the fact that his medal <laughs> is for best mom, he is the best mom because he listened to his mom, and so uh, Kareem has broken stories about Chechnyan dictators and warlords so the fact that he's uh given me this story i love it i he is such an intrepid reporter he is apparently also breaking that dagestan is extremely gender fluid i mean they're very clearly visionaries you know it's like uh pawnee naming ron swanson woman of the year Uh, (laughs) wait mike were you you the one that taught me something about my people was that you i was well i didn't know that in iran apparently like there's like a like a ton of transgender, like tra- like a tra- ton of gender reassignment surgeries, and that like they're just cool with it, like the the religious yeah, police that's because weird. All right, <laughs> they'll they'll kill you if you're gay, but if you but if you you know you want to you know convert genders, they're all on board, which is a real nuance. It's like they're take. really hardline <laughs> on that part. It's like, look at if you're a guy and you fuck a guy, that's fucked up. If you're a guy yeah, and you like, identify as a woman and become a woman and fuck a guy that's totally fine that's yeah it's like they got a real like you know what it's a real p to v situation it's very much a where you started it's very much (laughs) a it doesn't say in the rule book the dog can't play basketball so it's okay with us and i like it (laughs) uh what's the uh what's the religious book that uh muslims uh read copy the Quran or quran as people say do they have that chapter in the quran you know like about transgender uh, yeah 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 I don't know. I read, it, like, I read it one like, time, and a lot of these things didn't stick, buddy. Let me tell you. <laughs> like, like chapter, chapter seven is you get stoned to death if you like dudes and you're a dude. But that's not, that's not in there dude, either. <laughs> a lot I'm of stuff's not in there. I'm assuming it wasn't, but for the point of this bit, that's what I was trying to get at. <laughs> but in chapter eight, if you're a dude who likes dudes, but you turn into a girl, you're fine. I mean, I mean, you heard uh, Dave Chappelle said it, right? You can't just be at the barbecue. And be all like, I like you, man. I like you too, dog. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's uh let me tell you, man. As someone who's read both the Bible and the Quran, just like to read them, when you're not on board with the religion, they are not the most well written texts. Let me just put that out there. Bob, if you read the Bible, then you know they're like 200 pages of it is introductions. Yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> like what am I reading here? Here is the paternal lineology. Of everybody, yeah. When I was in defense of these books, Bobby, they were written like uh, I don't know about the Quran, but the Bible is like two thousand years ago. Have you ever yeah, tried the, reading Shakespeare? Yeah, Quran was, was like six hundred years ago, and that shit is like a different language. Yeah, the Quran was, was uh, it was uh, six twenty two. Was Islam. it's back in the day where only one person could write. And so it's like this is what you got. You want him to write it down or not? Like no, you the person no, who knows. Do, do you guys want to go after the Old Testament too? We can piss off some more people yeah, while we're in here now. When, <laughs> as Steph said, when no one else can read, there's no one else to proofread your work. I uh oh okay. I know I'm, I'm not going to get into this other story because it makes me sad. It's a bunch of mega bullshit. All right, let's do stuff we like. And See, uh, best enjoy. mom was a positive note. That's why I <laughs> yeah, wanted to share that. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. Um, all right, let's do stuff we like. Um, I got a quick one. 
I watched. Uh, I finally finished watching Good Omens, which nice. I, I, I know Mark finished it. Got him a year ago, probably. I never actually finished it, so I went and like. I mean, it's only six episodes, so I had to like go back and watch it in the beginning because I started watching in like the middle of the second episode, Mark, and I'm like, I, I lost. I've lost the plot. We got to go mean, back. I watched to the all of them. Here. I couldn't tell you what the hell happened on the show, but I enjoyed. There was it. a lot of <laughs> stuffs going on. Um, you know, it was Neil Gaiman. Um, it's it was a really sweet story, honestly, because I think a lot of it was about just friendship. Between the two characters, if not more, I kind of got the impression maybe there was more there, you know, beyond friendship. I couldn't tell, honestly, because they were real, like, committed to each other. Yeah, they dance around. It was, uh, um, a basic premise, I mean, we've talked about this, but, like, if you're a newer listener to this show, one, God bless you. Don't know how you got here. But um, it's the premise is that uh, Michael Sheen is uh, an angel living on Earth, and um, David Tennant is a demon living on Earth, and... Uh, They've been both been tasked with making sure the Antichrist, Antichrist brings about the end of the world. And, you know, stuff happens, basically. It's, it's kind of hard to describe everything that happens. But John Hammond, John Hamm is hilarious. As the uh, Archangel uh, Gabriel, he's hilarious. It made me laugh quite a bit. It's a good show. It's on Amazon Prime. I know people don't peruse Amazon Prime a lot of times, but, you know, they win a bunch of Emmys and shit. So give them a shot. That's all I got this week. That and the guy who creates these 20-minute clips on YouTube where he uh, summarizes a season of The Ultimate Fighter into, into 20 minutes. Um, now that I fucking lost the thing, I feel bad. You know what? Just look for season 12 Ultimate Fighter you know, best parts and just watch George St. Pierre trick Josh Koscheck, uh at the, fight, at the fighter selection part. That's really the highlight. That's all I got this week. Um, Stefan, what about you? Oh, yeah, a lot of quick fire things. Um, Mandalorian had the best Baby Yoda episode of the season. We got some good new Baby Yoda fresh meme content. Uh, very adorable stuff. Um, fun to see Carl Weathers directed this episode. That was a surprise. Um, <laughs> c- coming from the man who brought you uh, do the do the wavy magic hand thing, baby. Uh, he's like, yeah, you got to give me that Baby Yoda. If I'm going to direct an episode, <laughs> yeah, give me that Baby Yoda. I know what the people want. So, uh Props to Carl Weathers. Um, Miles Morales rolls on. Uh, almost done with it. I know Mark beat it. I'm still enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. You, you got a you got a baby Yoda. You got yourself a Mando. You got yourself a stew going, man. I was forced, but I'm like, I gotta get it in now. Oh <laughs> uh, no, man. Uh, I love Carl Weathers. You know, like Happy Gilmore is the thing. Is like you know that, I, Apollo I Creed. that you don't gotta sell anybody. We're all men who grew up in this country. He's fucking Apollo Creed, okay? I mean, he's Apollo <laughs> Creed, he's in the Predator. Carl Weathers in our like, you know, Dylan, like that, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Bobby, it's like that action movie bracket you want to do. They're not all quality things, but everything Carl Weathers has done, we like. <laughs> so he's just a man after our so guys. I'll be honest, that guy has a star turning role in um in uh, Arrested Development. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking oh, and about Chubbs. <laughs> and Chubbs. Can't forget about him as Chubbs. <laughs> I uh, I'll be honest, guys. The action movie bracket was gonna happen today, but I kind of forgot to ask you guys. And then, well, it became time to record the podcast. Coming, we soon. gotta make substitutions in that one, anyways. Yeah, because I mean, Commando should just win it. So I want like an easy path for Commando all the way to the finals. <laughs> so Mike and I can just do Commando one-liners for like three episodes. <laughs> See, I have a preamble that we could do as a setup: is we each give our own top five because. I think we will have completely different top fives, all of us. Well, like, we got to think we'll even have. We well, may I think only we should have actually like one or two crossovers, even amongst our own tastes. Well, I think what we should do if we do that is all five of us actually. Well, we all get together. Maybe we do top four, so we get sixteen. 
but like sure. um or whatever number eight whatever but like we make sure they're all different so we have all different movies so like it's almost like a draft where like i got like i got fucking uh heat and this stuff i was like well i got predator you know and shit like that and then we go like that heat that, that, that part is not going to be recorded that's going to be us that's, seen, uh, that's the homework assignment have you not seen um, heat heat's going to win this whole damn thing mike have you not seen heat have Bobby, you? with his assurances of what's going to win. Okay, according to Bobby, I, it's Heat versus Commando in the finals. And no, like no. I said, that's not on either of my choices. Okay, if Heat doesn't make it to the like final four, I feel we all need to have a. That's the homework assignment: is watch Heat. All right, Heat is incredible. Mike, looking at me like yeah, I will say, I think I've seen it like once, and the fact I've only seen it once shows it's not that good. Do you know? Okay, do you know we're talking about the right movie here? The one with Sharon Stone. Okay, so no. Oh, okay. Actually, so that makes more sense. <laughs> yeah, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, bank robbers. It has like one of the best like yeah, bank Sharon, robbing. I think scene. Sharon Stone's in that movie. Yeah, that's the one. That's, that's true. We got to talk about the same one. Uh, I, I'm with you, Mike. Rewatchability in action movies is a massive, massive like criteria. Like, like if face anytime face off is off, you know what we're all doing. We're watching face off. I'm at least seeing him do the titular line. Like I, I need to at least get that out of my. You know head. what? Honestly, we, we, we waiting, should take face off. I'm waiting for the scene where Casta Troy's brother goes, "No more drugs for that man." I mean, I just think. I mean, we should probably just make sure face off goes against Con Air because that's a debate we need to have. Because that's a tough one. Put the baby in the bag. Because I'm going Con Air, but that's a tough one. Anyway, sorry. I just wanted. So I'm going to wrap up my stuff. Like, because I, I, I caught, I caused this tangent. <laughs> but, um, you know, we're previewing you some future content to you that would exist on a Patreon if anyone wanted to give us money, but no one does. So we give it to you for free anyways. But uh, my, my thing to actually cap it off this week is um, I actually can thank my nephew for bringing this up to me. Um, and uh, on just a, you know, uncle nephew note, uh, it actually meant a lot to me. He called me because he wanted to watch it with me um, when it premiered. Um, because we share a memory of it, and we went to a special thing about it a couple years ago. But all over on Hulu, a little show from my childhood youth days came back, and that's Animaniacs. Um, Ooh. I fucking loved Animaniacs growing up. Uh, I loved Pinky and the Brain. It was such a smart show. It's one of those things where it really is, like, when we talk about, like, the golden age of Disney was... Yeah, there's the child-friendly stuff, but there's enough humor, innuendo, and jokes for the adults, too. And Animaniacs was that on steroids. It's one of those things, like, when I would go back and watch clips as an adult, I'm like, I definitely did not understand the political subtext of these things that they were saying and the commentary they were making on world leaders at that time. Like, you know, it's just silly caricatures doing silly things as a kid, but there was a lot of smart stuff in there. And my nephew, who is now a freshman in high school, I can't believe, but like when he discovered this show when he was in like a sixth grader, I, you know, thanks to the internet, like he learned all the songs, the songs that teach you all the countries of the world, all the state capitals, like they were fun educational songs. And he memorized that stuff. And it's like, it's funny how like the world geopolitics changed and some of the countries named aren't actual countries anymore. And then there's an amended version of that, that he learned. Yeah. Um, and so it's just one of those animated shows Stop. where it's not just be no. being a nineties nostalgia kid. It was a better quality of animated show that exists in comedy. Are there I good shows today? Absolutely. But animaniacs was 
had that quality to it. And I got to say, I watched the first two episodes. They come back and they, they do their whole shtick where they've been locked in the tower and like 20 years have gone by. And so they do the very first song is a what happened in the 20 years when Stephen gone. And that song fucking hit it out of the park for me. I loved that so much. And like the first thing my nephew asked me after we watched the first episodes together, he's like, how does it compare to the original? And I'm like, I can't believe it. They captured every essence of what was great about that original series in that first episode. Um, I'm happy to have it back. I, I, they released the season all at once. Uh, I'm actually not binging right totally through it right now. How many episodes but, is it? Um, I think it's like a 13-episode season, from what I could tell. Um, at least that. Do, um, do they have the pigeons? Are the pigeons back? I haven't seen them yet. I haven't seen uh, the squirrel lady who's kind of sassy with like the small like kid. Um, the the one there were was a two pinky in the brain eps, and then there was one which was just kind of like a historical parody where they did oh. uh, Homer and the Odyssey. I'm a um, big I'm a big pinky in the brain guy. I actually yeah. remember downloaded every episode at one point and watched them. This was like my first year of law school is what I was watching at night. So be like, dude, while so, I was in the background was pinky in the brain. Made me very um, happy. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm gonna spoil another one without you know getting the punchline. Like the very first Pinky in the Brain skit was apparently uh, the internet has been Brain's master plan all along. Uh, <laughs> uh, that sounds so about right. It, it's uh, the internet paying off now for the Brain I as his it. grand long con play. Um, I totally forgot that this was coming back, um, but I really enjoyed it. And like it's it's that '90s nostalgia kid thing, but it's got the type of humor that you can totally just understand different layers to it as an adult. Um, yeah, I, I'm certain at least a couple of you will probably check out some of the episodes. Um, I, I know we were all familiar with that series growing up, but um, yeah. You, just, said, you said Pinky the Brainer on there, brother. I'm, this is what, yeah. uh, when I'm done watching this football game at the end of this podcast, I'm going to watch Animaniacs. It's, <laughs> it's really nice digestible bites, right? Because each episode is made out of a couple of these like kind of, you know, eight to ten minute skits, right? So can roll along you can just watch one at a time before you know the necessarily consume a lot but um definitely nice to have it there um you know there's not a lot of things come back after 20 years and still kind of maintain like a lot of the qualities that made them great in the first place but um at least through the first two episodes i thought animaniacs did a really great job all the original voice actors um everyone came back that they've at least seen thus far so um right on yeah um mike yeah, I'm probably going to be checking that out. Um, I don't remember. <clears throat> I remember I liked the show, but I didn't think it was the greatest show growing up. But for me, I don't think I ever really caught that it was also a show where a lot of the jokes were geared for adults. Uh, quick, quick hits for me um, this week. Uh, one of them is Magnolia Bakery. I went out with uh, our friend Sal and his uh, his wife his wife this uh, this weekend. And uh, his wife wanted to go to Magnolia Bakery. And since I had to wait on that long line as well, I figured I would get some cheesecake cupcakes. And I completely destroyed my uh, my diet this weekend because I bought four cupcakes and I ate all of them within a day's time. Man, you get a good cupcake. Yeah, all, cup- all cupcakes are good. But when you get like a good one, you're like, oh, oh, okay. This is they just were unfair. Amazing. I was going to say, I don't know what the reason why we're Mike is on this side of the country and why we're taking him to L.A., but like we should take him to Porto's. Um, oh, 
my brother was went to LA this past week and drove up and brought back Portos, and I had a couple of potato balls, my friend. Woo! Maybe very yeah. happy. <laughs> Portos is a thing is a bakery, Mike, in California that all of us look forward to it. Um, yeah, nice. I got a potato ball with the ground beef in there. It was wonderful. It's just because, like, yeah, they can go full savory to super, like, sweet cakes and things and like that. But what makes it, I don't know much about Magnolia, but the thing about Porto's is it's super effing cheap. You can come away with, like, 40 delicious pastries for, like, $30, and that's where it gets you. It's because you're going to walk out of there with two boxes, and it's like, oh, how the fuck am I supposed to eat this in the next week? And it's like it's gonna happen. I'm gonna regret it, but it's gonna be delicious. Um, Yo, you can get you can get Porto's uh, bake at home. They send it frozen for you to bake. Apparently, pretty fucking close. This is the word on the street. Pretty well, close. <laughs> I will tell you this much: that is for sure not the case of Magnolia Bakery. Those four cupcakes and the banana pudding I got ended up running me about forty bucks. Jesus. Yeah. Besides like that, besides that, two shows I started watching Queen's Gambit. That show seems pretty awesome. I'm about four episodes in. I'm a big Anya Taylor Joy fan, so I hear this. Wait, is what, what's, it, what's, this about? what's this about? What's this about? It's about a really smart chick who plays chess, and does she, does she have like you know pro, uh, mental problems when it comes to like social issues or stuff? Or I'm still not sure. I still haven't really gathered that as much. But it's basically a show about a super smart girl who's really good at chess. Second season of His Dark Materials premiered on HBO Max. I watched the first episode of that. That one is pretty good as well. And in case you guys missed it, November 17th was our nine-month, nine month, nine-year anniversary of our first post of It's I'm Amazing. Woo-hoo! I thought you were going to say something to do with HBO Max. Mike, I got to ask you, with the other big news of the week with HBO Max and them getting Wonder Woman... Mike's not how paying many, for HBO Max. How many streams can you get on an HBO Max? <laughs> Mike's not paying for HBO Max. <laughs> All right. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you right now because uh, <laughs> I know Mike well. Mike's not paying for HBO Max. Mike said it premiered on HBO Max. He did not say that's where he watched it, okay? <laughs> or at least he did not pay for the login he used to watch it. <laughs> hey, Listen, I, I'm, not, I'm not grilling you, Mike. I just yeah. said we'll talk about it later. <laughs> uh, that, that's, that's all I got this week, Bob. Uh, Marcus, uh, would you take us home? Yeah, mm-hmm. not not a ton, um, especially not when it comes to, like new games coming out with the consoles just getting released. Uh, but I did, like Stefan mentioned, I uh, finished Miles Morales, and that was a very fun little jaunt. Um, like we described last week, it is a shorter game, so you know don't expect a lot of mileage out of it. But it was a complete fun story arc, um, and I really enjoyed my time with it. Uh, since then, I've been putting more time into Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and I've been enjoying that. Um, I think it has to be said, this is the only Assassin's Creed I played in like the new trilogy where they kind of switched up, you know, gameplay style since uh Force was Origins, then it was Odyssey, which I still hear is people say is the best of the three, and now Valhalla is the uh, newest one. But I've also been enjoying my time with Valhalla, and it actually just makes me think like, oh, I probably w- would really like Odyssey as well. Um, so I've been enjoying that. Uh last week I failed to mention that we finished watching Lovecraft Country. And I really enjoyed that show. Um, I thought it was very fun, interesting, kind of like uh, Bob was mentioned with Good Omens. There's the episodes are long; they're hour, you know, full hour episodes, uh, as HBO is one to do. And there's just a lot of shit going on. There's a lot of stuff to unpack. So, also, what I think has also become customary to a lot of people that watch these shows, like Westworld or what have you, it's almost 
needed to watch someone explain all the shit that's going on. Like, okay, I kind of know what's going on, but help me just get some of the nuance here. Um, and one of the, I mean, basically what I would sum it up to is, you know, just to really boil plate it here is that, you know, it's kind of high, like fantasy, Lovecraft, horror, fantasy, a lot of magic, but with a lot of racial overtones, um, and about, you know, racial injustice, basically the white people can use magic and the black people really can't. And they're kind of like learning how to do it and struggling with that. Um, but there are just some really impactful scenes. Um, they, they kind of have this one thing they do throughout a lot of the episodes where, There'll basically be, you know, kind of, you know, a bunch of cuts of action scenes or stuff going on. And the there is a narrator or basically they're, they're we're playing a recording and I don't know enough about black culture to, to know who these poets are or the poems that they're reading about the racial inequality. But they just make for these really striking, impactful scenes where you have like these men and women reading off, you know, these really powerful poetry and the imagery that they splice with that is really fun. I mean, I think I think the show is very impactful, but it's also very entertaining and fun. I think they they skirt those lines very well. I mean, I really enjoyed it, and it seems like there's going to be a second season. Um, you know, the show definitely kind of goes like off the fucking rails, and some crazy shit happens. And then you know, watching someone fucking explain it to you is like, oh, okay. There's you know even more nuance going on here that makes the show all that more enjoyable. So um, yeah, I really enjoyed my time with that, and that's kind of all I got. All righty. Um, I think we're done, folks. That's a wrap. Thank you, all for, thank you all for listening to the show this week. We very much appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back next week. I hope you have a good Thanksgiving. You oh, know, yeah. Be safe. You know, if you're going to be with people, for the love of God, wear a mask. Maybe eat outside. Whoever's cutting the turkey, they got to wear a mask. Okay, You're going to sneeze on that fucking thing. You can get everyone sick. Just be safe. We're no. going. No. Fuck that. Don't be a dickhead. Don't visit your family, all right? Rates are on the rise in pretty much every goddamn state. That's the smart move. Stay home and eat a goddamn turkey sandwich. <laughs> okay, yeah. Don't get on a plane. Don't drive anywhere. If there are people you're seeing regularly, okay, see those people. Yeah, okay. But still wear a mask. Eat outside if you can. Try to be safe. No one wants to get sick. You don't want them to get sick either. So um, until then... I was Dr. Law, that was Lavender Gooms, that was Kid Presentable, and that was DJ Mark. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Peace out. See you.